Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. Um, whenever, we, whenever we think of, you know, next Sunday, this, this Thursday is what day? Thanksgiving, thank you. Some of you are thinking ahead. Um, anybody planning on cooking a turkey? <laughs> Your son's cooking, that's it, yeah. Anybody going someplace else for turkey? <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, um, I, I always like those, uh, some of those, I don't know, it was last year sometime I was listening on the radio and they had this cooking show and, and uh, the, lady, the lady calls up, it's Thanksgiving Day, and she calls up and says, what do I do with this turkey? And the guy says, well, did you get it out of the freezer? She says, yes, I'm getting it out now. <laughs> so, uh, needless to say, she was not having a Thanksgiving meal that day. Um, but, uh, so we are to prepare ourselves for God's goodness in our life. And, and um, we, we spoke about some of this last week and, and how that gratitude... And gratitude is something that, that we have to express. Often, we think that life is going to change and then we'll be grateful. And it doesn't happen that way. Gratitude and thankfulness is a door that only opens from the inside. And being thankful doesn't... No one can barge into your life and say, here, be thankful. You know? No one can barge into your life and say, you need to be thankful. Here it is. Look at the good things in your life. Thankfulness and gratitude is something that comes from the inside. And the inside is that which comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we have this relationship with Jesus Christ, things change. So I'm going to read this this scripture. This is kind of the, I'm starting with the opposite side. Hopefully I'll finish. Uh, it was starting the opposite side of, well, what is it not to be thankful? Well, here we have, and why would I read it today? Because I'm different, that's why. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 20, or 1 through 12. Uh, this is from the Message Bible. It says, uh, don't pick on people, jump on their failures, and criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see how a smudge on your neighbor's face, it's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face, (laughs) when your own face is distorted by contempt? So there's a smudge, you know, there's a little bit of dirt on the other person's face, and there's a terrible sneer on yours. Okay? And you're saying, let me wash your face, because you got dirt on it. And they're saying, well, you got an ugly sneer on yours that I can't wash off. Okay? So get rid of the sneer. And, okay, that's what this is talking about here. It's, um, let me wash your face when your own face is distorted by contempt. It's the whole, it's this whole traveling road show mentality, this whole traveling road show mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. 
Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbors. Don't be flipped with the, sarc- with the sacred. Banter and silliness give no honor to God. Don't reduce holy mysteries to slogans and trying to be relevant. You're only being cute and inviting sacrilege. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If your child asks for bread, do you trick him by sawdust, giving him sawdust? If he asks for a fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. Now, you know, some of you thought, oh, I got a good idea, right? <laughs> well, uh, you're at least decent in your own, with your own children, so don't think the God who conceived you in love will, even, will be, would he, well, anyhow, God will do better. Here's a simple rule of thumb that is, guide for, that is a guide for you. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. And add up God's law and prophets, and this is what you will get. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So, this is my back door to gratitude. <laughs> this is my back door to gratitude. See, what is a critical spirit? Now, we can talk about, and we will get to speaking about what, what a... Um, a giving spirit is about, but just think for a moment what a critical spirit is in, this, in, this, in these scriptures that we read. A critical spirit is one that picks on people, one that jumps on their failures, one that criticizes their faults. A critical spirit has a way of boomeranging, is what the scripture tells us. You can't be critical without it coming back to slap you in the back of the head. You see, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. No one can, and being thankful is an inside job, no one can open the door for thanksgiving and being thankful but the person on the inside. So what it's telling us in this, in this text is that a critical spirit is like throwing a boomerang. What happens when you throw a boomerang if you're skilled? <laughs> it just kind of goes out there, twirls around, and comes back at you. Okay? Anybody ever throw a boomerang and it didn't come back? Yeah, it's like, I, I lost the gum band. You know, I threw it out there and it didn't come back. But if you know what you're doing, and that's what happens with a critical spirit. It boomerangs on us. It boom, being critical doesn't solve anything. Do you, um, do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your dirty face when you've got an ugly sneer on your own? So playing a role of religious a religiosity, or being playing a role of being holier than someone else is not what our relationship with Jesus Christ is about. Ask yourself, what do you want people to do for you? What kind of response do you want people to give to you? What type of relationship do you want to have with people? Take the initiative and begin that with them. Begin the relationships that you want to have, begin it with other people that we must take that initiative in doing it. If you want people to invite you over for Thanksgiving, invite them over to your house and ask them to bring the food. No. (laughs) 
but you know what we want, what the kind of person we want to be is the kind of the kind of people we want to meet are the kind of person we want to be. And you know, if our friends and the people who are acquaintances are not lifting us up, then we need to check out who our friends are. We need to check them out and what type of relationship do we have with them. <coughs> Excuse me. I have I have a you have a halls. <laughs> So, um, so the passage then speaks of people who are quick to pass judgment. Jesus warns us to judge ourselves, to judge our own actions and actions, and to judge our own attitudes, and not try to make our statements the final answer, the final, is that your final answer? You know, if I want your opinion, I'll tell you what it is. That type of thing. That's not what the scripture is telling us. We are not to search for the worst in people, but we are to search for the best. We are to search for the best in our lives. Remember, um, last week we spoke about uh, gratitude and how that uh, whenever we are grateful, we are building upon what we have. People who are ungrateful are individuals that are constantly focused on what's missing. And you know, you can never build anything in your life by what's missing. You have to build your life on what you have. And if you're not thankful for what you have, more won't change anything. So if you are grateful for what you have, God has a way of building on what you have to build up what is missing in your life. And you see, this is, these are the principles that God wants us to have as part of our character, part of our relationship with him, part of our relationship with others. If we are fault finders, we have found the worst. And if we have found the worst, how can we build on what is the worst? We have to dismiss it. Because of, the, uh, of, uh, and because of these failures that people have, we all have them, our society has them, individuals have them, communities have them. There isn't any place that doesn't have failures and faults. So God, isn't it interesting how that God, in his infinite wisdom, looks at us and the first thing he wants to do in our relationship is forgive us of everything that is wrong in our life. The first thing God wants to do is forgive us of all of our failures. Because you can't build your life on failures. You can only build your life on what you have. So when God forgives us of our sins, he forgives us of our sins, removes those sins, those barriers from our life, and begins to implant his word, <coughs> which takes the promises of God and takes the godly qualities that God has placed in our lives, and he begins to build on them. Those seeds of, the seeds of greatness are already planted in your soul. The seeds of greatness are already there. One, one person said it this way, he said, can you imagine going to the, to the in the springtime, I remember using this, this illustration, can you imagine going to the soil and saying to the dirt, uh, can I have an advance on next fall's harvest? 
you know, going to the dirt and saying, give me an advance on the next fall's harvest. The soil will say to us, give me your seed, not your need. Give me your seed. If you plant the seed in the soil, the soil will give us a harvest. But many times we come, I need this and I need that. No, what do we have? Taking what we have and taking the seeds of what God has planted in us and given to us, that we plant them in our faith, we plant them in our lives, we plant them in the lives of others, and it begins to take on a life of its own, the life of the seed. So, in 1 Corinthians uh, 4, 5 says, Don't get ahead of the master and jump to conclusions. You see, the reason we can be thankful is that we're not jumping ahead. We're not passing judgment on ourselves and we're not passing judgment on others. It says, don't get ahead of the master and jump to conclusions. Don't jump to conclusions with your judgments before all the evidence is in. When he comes, he will bring out and bring into the open and uh, place in evidence all kinds of things that we never dreamed of. Inner motives and purposes and prayers. Only then will one of us get to hear the word of God to us. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Whenever we focus on what's missing, we're jumping to conclusions. Whenever we focus on what's wrong with other people and passing judgment on their lives, we are jumping to conclusions. The idea that the scripture is telling us, let it in God's hands. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. God will take care of all the things that have gone wrong and all the bad people and all the things. God will be the one who will take care of all that. So we then focus on what good things God has brought into our life without getting into the blame game and without passing judgment. Be thankful that God is the judge. <laughs> be thankful that God is the judge and not us because he will judge fairly. God knows what we can do and what and he knows what to expect of us. He's outlined our growth. He's outlined our, our hopes. He's outlined them all for us. And he's placed them in, inside of us. So what should our list, um, so what should our first impression be? Whenever we are looking at ourselves and looking at our relationship with other people, what is the first impression we should be? And the first impression we should have is one of thankfulness. Not, oh, look at the smudge on your face. <laughs> it shouldn't be what's wrong with somebody. It should, be, it should be an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of thankfulness. It should be an attitude of, of gratefulness that God has given us this opportunity to interact and be part of, of our relationship with one another. So we must be thankful in order to see thankful. <laughs> you must be thankful in order to see thankful. It's almost like you have to be, you have to have a blue shirt in order to see a blue shirt. <laughs> How many times do you ever buy a car, get in a car or whatever, and you drive down the road and you say, wow, I never knew there were so many of these cars. <laughs> right? Why? Once you see it, 
then you, you can pick it out. And, and the same thing happens with being thankful. Once you see it, you begin to pick it out. And you begin to pick up on it. And you begin to take it in and absorb it and be part of who you are and what you do. So if you don't look for thankfulness in yourself and in others, you're never going to see it. It can be all around you, but not see it. But it's there, so be thankful. To see things worthy of gratitude. To see things worthy of gratitude. What things are worth being grateful for? I'm going to stop talking and let you talk. (laughs) What are some things that are worth being grateful for? Pardon? Waking up in the morning. How many people don't like to wake up in the morning? Yeah. So, what are you thankful for? What's that? Breathing. Yeah. I can breathe while I'm sleeping. Yes. <laughs> no, but I'm breathing. I'm glad for the breath that we breathe, the air that we breathe. Last week reminded us of that, being grateful. <laughs> all the smoke and stuff. Okay. Pardon? Give thanks in all things. Give me a thing that you're thankful for. Family. Water, job, good health, friends. You know, when they, Jenny came back from El Salvador, they didn't know if she would live or die with her cancer. But she responded to the treatments, and she's doing very well right now. So we're grateful for that. Uh, what else? Yes. You're done with chemo, yes. Yeah, thankful you're done with chemo. But you see, there's so many things, and, and I, I know if we would just start, start naming them, and that's, that's, pro, that's, that's our problem, is that if we think about, okay, if I ask you, well, what's missing in your life? Would that be much easier to talk about than what you're thankful for? <laughs> yeah? Wait, what's missing? Oh, I wouldn't. I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I want this, and I want that, and I'm, you know, you know, we can go on. We can get. We can really get started on that one. But you see, that's kind of the, the the programming that we put in here and in our life. We we talk a lot about what we don't have, and 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 that's our fault. But it's also our. You know, we're a consumer society. A consumer society exists on consumption. That means that what you have isn't good enough, you've got to have more. So therefore you buy, you, you've got to always be seeing what are all the t- advertisements, especially now. And the newspaper is full of them. Look at the good buys you could have. <laughs> Look at all the things, if you need it, we got it for you, and you can have it right now at a really good price. <laughs> I'm on the move. <laughs> you see, it's all, we're, we're, but that's, that's our, our, our whole society is based on that. So, it, you know, we've learned this initiative. We've learned this, you know, and, and, it's, and it's the way we think. How many times, if you take a test, what do we think of? We think of how many we missed. Well, first thing we ask, well, how many did you miss on your test? <laughs> how many did you get right? <laughs> That's not a good quota there. <laughs> uh, 
But the, but the challenge is, what are you going to... So we look at, well, how many did we get right? So what do we build on? You know, I, was, I think it was Einstein who said that um, we should measure knowledge by what we have because you can only build on the knowledge you have to get more. You can't build on what you don't know. Tests are only to ha- and tests are used to help us understand <coughs> what we know. And, and you know, being thankful then is looking at what we have, what we know is in our life, and what we are thankful for that being there. See, it all begins in Christ. Everything that we have in our life that is of value is a gift from God. Even people who don't believe in God, God has given them gifts and blessings in their life. God is a every every good and perfect gift is a gift from God that comes down from God to our lives. First Thessalonians five eighteen, everything give thanks. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. The key is, in Christ, this is God's will. Give thanks. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. In that relationship, we are giving thanks that God is with us. And if God is with me, I can face these things. Nothing should ever come between God and I. Nothing should ever come between God and you. Everything is Jesus Christ in me, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ in me, the hope of life. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he shall quicken your mortal bodies. He will quicken us. It is God in us, and that is the quickening. I am in Christ. He is in me. We are together in this. In Christ, my sins are forgiven. In Christ, he is my strength. In Christ, all things pass away. All things become new. In Jesus Christ, I have eternal life. In Jesus Christ, he is my grace and my truth and my life. In Christ, I am healed. In Christ, he is my righteousness, my right right standing with God. I am in Christ. He is in me, that we are together in this. And in this togetherness, I can face the things of life. I can face the circumstances of life. I can be thankful for life. Paul in prison. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. How can he say this while he is in prison? Because he and Jesus are in this together. And then he goes into life. Then he experiences life. Then he experiences what is going on. Daniel in the lion's den. He obeyed God. People plotted. And Daniel said, I'll continue to pray. They said, King says, you're not allowed to ask petitions of anyone except of me and for a period of time. And Daniel continued to pray. So what they do with him? Put him in the lion's den. Daniel in God went to the den. What happens when Daniel and God are together in the lion's den? The lions aren't hungry. (laughs) Their mouths are closed. And Daniel spends the night in the lion's den. Daniel and God together 
facing the circumstances of the lion's den. The three Hebrew children. I, I spoke Wednesday night and, uh, um, at a dinner, and one of the ladies goes to the uh, synagogue. She's Jewish. And afterwards, we were talking. I said, I mentioned about the three Hebrew children. I don't think she knew who they were. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Um, I said to three Hebrew children, and she probably thought, my kids? <laughs> no, she's a wonderful lady. But, uh, but we were talking about God, the three, the, the, they would not bow down to the kings, uh, to the idol. So they stood up with God. God and them together stood up to the, the, the king. And, and the declaration was, King, our God is well able to deliver us from your furnace, but if he doesn't, that's okay. We still won't bow down. See, the idea is they in God were able to face their life circumstance. We in Christ are able to face our life. And from that position... From that perspective, they are able to see God's hand working with them. And they don't know the outcome, but they are not going to back down from what their, they, their, their relationship that they have with God. They go to the fiery furnace, they're thrown into the fiery furnace, and the king says, I thought we threw three in there. I see four. I see four. Whenever we look at our lives, we look in the mirror, we want to see two people. Not because we have double vision, but because God is with us. Jesus in me, the hope of glory. God and I together. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ. In, in Christ, I am more than a conqueror. In Jesus Christ, I have life and hope and peace. In Jesus Christ, he is my righteousness. In Jesus Christ, I have eternal life. In Jesus Christ, you see how all this begins to take on a perspective of that God is with us. And there is a victory that is in our life because of our relationship with Christ. I must see, thank, I must see the things that I am thankful for before I begin to see them on others. And I see them around me. Be steadfast and movable, abounding in the work of the Lord. Be steadfast in our relationship with Christ. And the key to abounding in the work of God is thanksgiving. An abundance. There's an abundance that goes on in our life. And no one can build anything without something. You can't build anything without something. It's the use of something that builds some other things. It's the use of thankfulness that builds gratitude. If you think we're going to get gratitude and then be thankful, it's not going to happen. It's got to start with our own perspective. And it's got to start with our daily use. Now, here's a favorite story now. How many took a bath in the last week? Why? You took one before, didn't you? Why did you have to take another one? Well, we know why. 
The promises of God are renewed every morning. We've got, you know, it's the same way with taking a bath. You have to take one all the time. Why? Because you need it. Well, the same way with our thinking and our thoughts and our prayers. We have to keep renewing our life and being thankful for what we have. And we continue it every day that we renew the attitude of being grateful. Renew the attitude of thanksgiving. Gratitude is the courage to look at life from a God-centered perspective. Gratitude is the courage to look at life from a God-centered perspective. If I have the courage to look at life from a God-centered perspective, it means that I cannot be defeated. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Through Christ, I can do. That means we are responsible for our actions. And it takes courage to be responsible. It takes courage to stand up to things that are wrong in our lives and things that are wrong in our society and things that are wrong with our friends. (laughs) When our friends don't match the character of Christ, we have to have the courage to stand up to them. Courage to stand... And all this comes from a grateful heart. A grateful heart knows that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ that is so valuable that I do not want anyone or anything to destroy it. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ that is so valuable that nothing on earth can separate me from him. I will not allow my attitude, my thoughts, my friends, my circumstances to come between God and I. I must have courage, and gratitude is a, is a courage that I open the door to life, and I will be thankful. Do I have the courage to open the door to life and say, God, I am grateful for this life that you have given me? I don't, and remember, I didn't pass judgment on it, because it's not over yet. God is the judge of life, not me. So therefore, I will have courage to, pa- to go through the circumstances and go through life and open the door to life. I will have courage to do it. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That is a courage statement that there is nothing beyond my ability to do that God brings into my life. So therefore, I must find a way to make it happen. To recognize the place we have in Jesus gives us a new perspective. The character of Christ is born in us. And that same character that Jesus is, is the same character that is in us, born by the Holy Spirit. Human nature... Our human nature was not born with a grateful disposition. But our divine nature is one of gratefulness and gratitude. Character is built by how you respond to what you have, not what you don't have. In all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus I give thanks. Because the end is not written yet. It's not over yet. 
There's still life to be lived. There's still promises to be fulfilled. There's still opportunity to see good in my life. There's still opportunity to see the good that God is going to bring in our life. There's still opportunity for the divine touch of God to be upon me and upon what comes of my life. A thankful nature, constantly renewed, will sustain itself. A grateful nature that is constantly renewed will sustain itself. It's like giving a bushel of seed and planting it. How much, yeah, if you have a bushel of seed corn, <coughs> if you have a bushel of seed corn and you plant that bushel, how much are you going to get back in a harvest? You know, thousands of bushels from one bushel of corn. One bushel of seed corn will produce thousands of bushels of seed. And you take part of that seed and plant it again. And you use the rest. A thankful heart is that same way. As we continue to renew, as we continue to plant, as we continue to plant it in our lives, we will find how God works in us. We're going to turn to Psalm 107. I'll finish with this. Psalm 107. And this is the children of Israel. And, and, and the psalmist is writing about them. And he says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And that's the key verse in this, in this psalm. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those he rendered from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from the east and the west and from the north and the south. And he goes on to talk about how they got there that some wandered in the desert wasteland, finding no way to a city that they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their troubles, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Then let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty, he fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness, in deepest gloom. And he goes on and he says, and he talks about the bitterness and he talks about their sin. But he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And he goes back to, comes over and give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. For his love endures forever. And he goes through, if you want to read that psalm and see how the people were brought from distress and from the four winds of the earth and the corners of the earth brought them back together. They were hungry, they were thirsty, but God brought them and provided for them. And on what is to be the attitude? One of thanksgiving. God has a way, God is the way that, has, that he is our provider and our sustainer and he is our strength. So let us have the courage to open the door to being grateful. God is with us. Amen?